<clears throat> As I was saying, this um, opportunity for a shared farewell to Malini. Also, shared reflection. I, um, from what I know of Malini as a committed Buddhist and the family, um, I have the feeling that um, she wouldn't necessarily want me to miss this opportunity to say something useful. Um, traditional Buddhist funeral, you invite the monks to come and give a Dhamma Day Sanar. We'll have some words from John and Siraj later on about Manly's personal life. But if I may, I'd like to take this opportunity to reflect on Dhamma for a few minutes. Um, it's something that all of us have a sense that some things in life are more important than others. You know, we all get born to this life and start off thinking that it's all just going to be great, but as the years go by, we realize there are a lot of challenges, and one of life's great skills is how to meet the challenges of life wisely. Uh, we all know it's really easy to make mistakes. It's really easy to miss wonderful opportunities. And so all of us who share a spiritual life appreciate that there are teachings that have come to us from those wise beings who've lived before us and these teachings are what we wisely listen to and adhere to. And so if I could speak for just a few minutes commenting on some of the Buddha's teachings and what, what well, the Buddhist word for what is really important is the word Dhamma, which as far as we're concerned means what is really relevant in life. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are sort of relevant and can get our attention and we can get involved with them and then they don't actually bring us any dividends. Well, like with, you know, with money, you know, if you invest in the wrong thing, you don't get any dividends. So that's a great pity. So, uh, well, so inwardly with the inner life, uh, the spiritual life, if you like, that there are those principles, what we would call virtues, which are really worth investing in. And if we do invest in them, well then there's, there are dividends, there's well-being, there's contentment, there's happiness, there's beauty, there's joy, there's gratitude. And even when a life is ending, it doesn't end with remorse and regret. And that's really important. And perhaps that's something that we could use this occasion to think about. It's something that, you know, in the monastery I often speak to people about uh, trying to encourage people to pay attention to what's really important in life. Nobody likes to be preached at. You know, nobody likes to sit there and be told what to do. And I don't like to do that to people, but I do encourage people. I say, well, if you imagine at the end of your life, you know, 80, 90, whatever, hopefully we all have a good long life, and somebody comes to you, somebody maybe... 18, 19, at the beginning of their life, and, and they say, please tell me what's really important. You know, what really matters? Yeah. And then you think about that. You think, well, what would you say? You say? Well, how many friends I've got on my Facebook account? Probably not. That, that's probably not the most important thing when you're at the end of your life. You know, you, there are other things that are more important. And so for us, this is what Dhamma is about. What's really relevant? There's a... Um, in the Buddha's scriptures, many of you be familiar with the Buddha's um, 
Buddha's PA, the Buddha's personal assistant, his attendant, Venerable Ananda, once asked the Buddha, he said, Lord, what is the, what is the value of cultivating integrity? Yeah. So why is integrity so important? And the Buddha replied, he said, so that you can live free from remorse. In other words, so you can live and die free from a heart that's burdened with remorse and regret. And this is really what all Dhamma teachings are pointing at, how to live so that we live our life and we end our life with a heart that's free from remorse and regret. Or in other words, when a heart has got contentment. How do we live our lives? This is the opportunity we have. This is really the challenge. Because, yeah, it can be difficult. You know, even running a monastery can be difficult. You might think, oh, you monks, you don't really know what you're talking about. You haven't got all the problems that we householders have. Well, if I had three hours, I would tell you some of my problems. But that's not what this is about. But believe me, all of us, all human beings, young, old, Sri Lankan, New Zealand, German, Hungarian, um, all of us have got issues to deal with. And if we're not careful, then we end up making life more complicated than it needs to be. So the Dhamma teachings are about identifying all the things that there are that we could be putting our energy into. It's identifying what's relevant, what, what leads to contentment. This is the question. This is the great spiritual question. What leads to contentment? Well, one of the things, that, one of the first things that comes up on the list, uh, you're thinking about what leads to contentment, one of the things that I think about anyway is certainly something the Buddha talked a lot about is kindness. And here we're remembering, celebrating the life of Malini, a mother. The Buddha held up the example of a mother with her only child. He said, even as a mother with her only child, so with a boundless heart one should cherish all living beings. Uh, the Buddha's Discourse on Loving-Kindness, the Karani Metta Sutta, which we'll chant shortly. This is something the Buddha said, make much of this. You know, now, you know, if we're not careful, we could take kindness for granted. Who would be here if we hadn't received a lot of kindness? Yeah. Harris and Malini's four children, two sons, two daughters, oodles of kindness. I mean, two radiant daughters here have received loads of kindness, from a kind mother, from a kind father. Kindness is nutriment for the heart. Just as the body is, you know, you miss a few elements and vitamins, whatever, you can, you can, you don't last very long. Well, human beings, when the heart doesn't receive kindness, it's starved. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can, we can take kindness for granted. And so the Buddha said, this is something really worth identifying. If you want to live a life that conduces with contentment that leads to a life free from remorse and regret, cultivate kindness. And there's always opportunities for kindness. It doesn't matter. You know, like when you get one of those cold calls on the telephone and you get somebody from goodness knows where ringing you up and wanting to sell you something that you're not interested in, how do you answer? Now the poor person in the Philippines or wherever they are, probably not getting paid very much money and it's really, actually, a great opportunity for kindness. You might think, oh, this person is disturbing my day. Well, you could also say, oh, wonderful, here's an opportunity for kindness. Now, you might think I'm joking, but I'm not, actually. You know, the Buddha really made a lot of this. He says, kindness is one of the most transformative powers. Again, those of you that are Buddhists will know 
the story in the scriptures of where there's somebody wanted to get the Buddha killed. You know, the Buddha, our great teacher, and somebody didn't like him, wanted to get him killed, and so what they did was they got this elephant, the executioner elephant, kind of bad elephant, and they got him drunk, and they sent this elephant, Nalagiri. Remember the story? Many of you know the story. They got him going down the yellow way, there's a Buddha, walking arms round, pure, innocent, noble, compassionate, wise Buddha, walking mindfully with his bowl, and, and then this mad, drunk elephant comes towards him. And he's going to just splat the Buddha. And the Buddha didn't turn around and run. The Buddha just, with loving kindness. Now, the, the, this is a story which probably all Buddhists would have been taught when they're children, but the reason for talking about the story is because kindness is a transformative power. So often people think kindness is weak. No, kindness is not weak, kindness is strong. It's difficult to be kind, it's easy to get angry. But again, Dhammapada teaching, verse 4, never by anger is anger conquered, but by readiness to love alone. This is eternal law. Never with anger is anger conquered. We all get angry from time to time, all of us. And what do we do with it? We get angry at our anger. I shouldn't get angry. Or we express our anger and get angry at the other person. You made me angry. Well, the Buddha said, no, no, no. Never with anger is anger conquered but by readiness to love again. Now, if we don't pay attention to this, we don't contemplate this, we might think, well, that's just some story they tell children, but it's not. It's a transformative power. And if we contemplate this in our own life, you know, put time aside, you know, instead of just sitting watching television and eating and all the rest of the things that we do, Buddha encourages, put time aside and make something of this. You know, dwell on what is the power of kindness. Think about it. You know, we're so busy in our lives these days that we don't put time aside to think about important things. That's very important. So we've got this great opportunity right now. So I'm reminding you, this is really important, kindness. It's something to think of. And to exercise this capacity we have for contemplation. We all have this. We all have this opportunity. We have this mind, this wonderful human intelligence that we can contemplate things. Contemplation is like it's like bringing light into the mind. The word contemplation in English is to do with the word temple. And all of you traditional Buddhists, you know you go into the temple, you light candles and incense, you bring light and beauty. You offer light and beauty to the Buddha. Well, if you don't have a temple nearby, you can always offer light and beauty to your own heart. This is what contemplation is. We contemplate kindness. Well, when we don't exercise this wonderful ability we have as human beings to contemplate Dhamma principles like kindness, we don't do that, well then it's like it's dark inside and it's really unfortunate. We get around like we're kicking things, we're hurting each other and we say things that we wish we didn't say and why do we do all that stuff? (laughs) Why do we (laughs) upset people, tell lies, do stuff that causes hurt? Well, it's a lack of inner life. Or in Buddhist language, we'd say it's a lack of mindfulness. This is also this is also a Dhamma principle that the Buddha, in fact, was unique in all the world's religions in identifying mindfulness or sati as a spiritual virtue, a spiritual power. You know, this is something really with kind. When we're mindful, when we're watchful, then we can see cause and effect. We can see, well, you do this, then that happens. 
I mean, how many times have we gotten angry and we've made it worse? Well, you'd think that, you know, we'd learn, wouldn't you? But actually, we tend not to learn because we're not mindful. We don't have enough license. And so that's also something on this occasion I'd like to encourage us all. These are things we can do. We can, we can actually cultivate these qualities by bringing mindfulness, contemplation to bear. And when we do, then a lot of these other virtues that we admire in people, like, like um, gratitude. Now, gratitude is a, such a beautiful quality, isn't it, when you meet somebody who's grateful. I mean, you meet somebody who's selfish, you come in, oh, that's sad. Yeah. But you meet somebody who's grateful, even for a small offering. You know, you give them a gift and there's gratitude there. That's such a beautiful quality. Well, with mindfulness, with mindfulness and contemplation, Gratitude grows naturally. You don't have to shame people into being grateful. I, I can remember as a, as a child, my grandmother used to, you, you ungrateful little boy. And <laughs> but what, what the Buddha wanted us to do was, was not just to believe in Dhamma principles, but to find ways of growing them. You know, bringing light, light makes things grow. And so when we like contemplation, listening to Dhamma talks, it helps bring light into the heart and these Dhamma principles grow, you know, like gratitude. When we don't have gratitude, well, the sad thing is we you know, take things for granted. You know, we take life for granted. It's a wonderful opportunity that we have as human beings. It's amazing all the things we can do in a human life. There's brilliant intelligence that we have as human beings and opportunities to help each other and... And if we don't have mindfulness, well, we take it for granted. We take life for granted. We take each other for granted. Although we're living with good people, we forget to appreciate them. We forget to express gratitude to each other. We take the environment for granted. Wow, that's, that's a big one, isn't it? I mean, look at this lovely planet that we so far have the good fortune to live on, but who knows how much longer it's going to last because we haven't been, you know, we haven't been very smart in the way we relate to it. Yeah. So if all we could do is just bring more mindfulness and contemplation to life, then these virtues grow naturally. Kindness, gratitude, generosity. When there's a natural, when there's a natural gratitude, then it wants to express itself in generosity. Mm. Now, um, all religions have <coughs> institutionalized generosity where we give things, we give gifts, we give offerings. But, and that's all right, that's like shaking hands with somebody, but that's just the beginning. What this, the, the more important part, the spirit of shaking hands with somebody, is so you can start a communication. The spirit of ritualized offerings is so that we can free the heart from selfishness. The burden of selfishness, all of us, all of us, without exception, suffer from this painful, exaggerated sense of me. You know, my problems are so. My problems are much more important than his problems. He thinks his problems are important, but they're not. As far as I'm concerned, my problems are of world-shattering significance. They're so important that I give them all my attention. Now, how stupid is that? I mean, I'm going to be dead in a few years' time. Why don't I actually pay more attention to reality? What is the cause of problems? The Buddha's teaching on the Four Noble Truths so they actually help us realize there is a cause for all problems if we exercise mindfulness, cultivate these virtues in a natural, organic way, 
not forcing them, but let them immerse with mindfulness and contemplation, then gratitude, generosity, and then the willingness, the interest to let go of selfishness. And so, from the Buddhist perspective, this is called bhavana, uh, cultivation. And this is, this, is, um, this is totally different from believing. Now, of course, you teach children to believe in things, believe mummy and daddy are going to be here forever, even though they're not. You know, it's good for children to believe they are going to be there and they grow up stable until they get a bit older Then you tell them, well, actually, mummy and daddy are not always going to be there, but that's you wait until they get older and they can handle that. For children, you teach them belief systems that they don't, you don't expect them to question. But once you get to be an adult, it's really important to question. And this is one of the wonderful things about the Buddhist teachings. We're all very fortunate to have this encouragement to question and to investigate. So all this teaching about you know, integrity. The Pali word for integrity is sila, or often translated as morality. You know, what are the teachings about sila? What are the teachings about metta, loving kindness? What are the teachings about gratitude in general? What do they really mean? So using our mind to ask ourselves, what do these really mean? You know, why are these things so important? You know, the Buddha was a prince, could have been a king. But when he once from his time of his enlightenment, he didn't go back to the palace and put his feet up. You know, he said, these things, these Dhamma principles are so important. He spent decades you know, putting up with some pretty hard conditions trying to help people. And this is the characteristic of anybody who's awakened. The selflessness means they just want to help others and encourage us to pay attention to these qualities so that we can bring them alive within our own hearts. Now, we have this healthy body and this mind at the moment. We're lucky. But if we just use these things, this body and this mind, and we don't really exercise the opportunity to cultivate beauty, goodness, wisdom, I think of it as like, it's like having a computer without antivirus. I mean, we all know that's bad news. I mean, you've got a business and you don't have any effective firewall, you're just asking for trouble. You get a new computer and you start going on the internet without checking you've got an antivirus, I mean... You know, you've got any sense you wouldn't dare do that because there's all these seriously unwholesome things crawling around the internet that are just waiting to jump in on your computer. Well, also, there's all sorts of things in our psyche like greed and aversion and resentment and all these things that if we're not careful, if we don't really protect our hearts, if we don't protect our hearts, then unfortunately these other qualities take over. So it's not a question of like intimidating ourselves or shaming ourselves or shaming other people, but the wise beings, the wise teachers through the ages have highlighted these things and say, this accords with contentment, freedom from remorse, well-being. This accords with discontentment, unhappiness. So, so no matter how much money we have or how wonderful our reputation, whatever, if we haven't brought the light inwards to cultivate the spirit, then no matter how good the forms are, we don't have well-being, and that is that is sad, regrettable. So, on this occasion of celebrating the the beautiful, generous life of Malini, um, I'm happy to have this opportunity to raise these things for you to consider, to think about, and like to encourage you to, as an offering to Malini, 
Yes, we bring flowers and, and uh, our, our sincere well-wishing to the family, but also ongoing as an offering to Malini to contemplate these principles, to contemplate integrity, to contemplate kindness. You know, not, not miss an opportunity for kindness. You know when you're driving and somebody cuts in in front of you and you know, I've got to get home and well, you can also do kindness. You can. You know, we have this power. You know, people feel, feel like victims. Actually, we're not victims. You know, so long as we're alive, we've got power in the heart. Potential to be kind. Potential to be forgiving. Potential to be generous. Potential to be grateful. And so, but it's up to us whether we realize this or not. So on this occasion, often these words for contemplation, this Dhammadesana, dedicated to our dear friend Malini, and generating the wish that Malini may realize Nibbana. Ewa. Sadhu. Sadhu.